prior to the um, the uh, coronavirus situation pandemic, uh, I preached a series of sermons on overwhelming emotions, as I mentioned to you last week, if you were here, uh, and uh, I, I'm not. I can't remember the order that I went, but the three overwhelming emotions that we need to master if we're going to live an abundant life are anger, sadness, and fear. Not necessarily in that order, and sometimes we experience all of those on the same day, right? Um, But what I want to help you understand is we call these emotions, but really they are responses to your thinking, they are a frame of mind, and they create an overwhelming upheaval within your body. Literally, there are chemical changes in your body, and that's the whole idea behind the emotion, is you just feel it all through your whole body. But there is a mindset that precedes that emotion. And sometimes it's down there below the conscious level. It's not a mindset that you have made today, but it could be related to the assumptions that you have made about the world, about reality. And I really strongly believe that Advent is going to help us to understand how we need to overcome these things, because in the wake of the pandemic and the protests and all of the politicians and their, uh, their vitriolic rhetoric, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of fear. Every time the infections go up, people start trembling. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And they give us one set of news and then another set of news. Kids, if you're a kid down here, raise your hand. If you're a kid down here, raise your hand. Right? You know what the leading virologist in the country said about the coronavirus in kids? It has almost no effect on kids. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Stop being afraid. That's not me. That is a doctor that knows his business. Now, initially, they were worried because they thought, well, you know, this might hurt kids, but it hasn't proven to really hurt kids. For most kids, the coronavirus is like a cold. It's not even as bad as the flu. You don't have anything to worry about. Now, what you do need to be careful of is when you're around older people, okay, because you are little wonderful children, but you're all little Petri dishes, (laughs) <laughs> so if you've had a science class, you know, Petri dishes where you, you grow bacteria and viruses. and You all are little Petri dishes and you grow bacteria. And then you pass it along to us because we always like to hug you and you're wonderful. And then, you, you know, you sneeze on us and cough on us and make us sick. All right. So you don't have anything to worry about, but do be careful when you're around adults, especially older adults. Now, That's Pastor Daryl giving truth to children so that they'll stop being afraid. Truth combats fear, okay? But what I'm trying to help you to do, kids and adults, is think differently. I heard preachers say, uh, this was common back uh, back in the 80s, I was hearing preachers say this, but it's still still effective uh, as a tool. Your problem... It's not what's going on in the world. Your problem is stinking thinking. There's a scripture that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, if you consider that there's this horrible reality out there facing you, that as soon as you go outside your front door, you might get a virus that could soon kill you, you're going to be afraid all the time. And I'm sorry, that's just not real. I'm not saying the virus is not real. It is, but you protect yourself like you do with anything. 
Wash your hands, stay six feet, do all of that stuff. What I'm trying to do is realign your thinking, okay? Because when your thinking changes, your feelings will change. Last week, we talked about hope. Well, one of the things that I think is probably hopeful for some people regarding the pandemic is the fact that there are a number of major drug companies that have come up with vaccines, and they're going to be rolling them out in the coming months. It's going to start, and the, the healthcare professionals and the elderly people are going to get it, and that's totally fine. Kids should be the last one to get it because it just really doesn't hurt you, right? It needs to be given to people who are the most at risk. The older you are, if you have a compromised immune system, those sorts of things. But see, that's something that I hope should give you hope, Right? Because you see, once again, there's truth. There's something coming out here uh, that you can look at and say, oh, well, that's going to be helpful. We don't have to continue to listen to all of this bad news day in and day out. But a vaccine helps you to fight a virus. It teaches your immune system to fight the virus. When you get a flu shot, it teaches your immune system to fight off the latest iteration or version of the flu virus. The coronavirus uses this kind of specialized uh, type of, uh, of inoculation, if you will, to teach your nervous system, like it was something about uh, uh, RNA or something like that, and they put it in there. Well, what I want you to see is that hope is a vaccine for sadness. If you're sad, if you're depressed, you need hope, and hope comes from the promises of God. And I'll invite you to go back to last week's message and take a look at that. I'll invite you to dig into the scripture and seek those promises that God has. And I was going to present a number of promises that Jesus has for us last week, but I ran out of time. Um, but, you know, Jesus offers us peace, as we're going to see this week. He offers us eternal life. Amen? He offers us a relationship with the Father. He offers us his own spirit, the Holy Spirit, that fills us. And then the Holy Spirit gives us Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But number one in your outline, as we transition to this week's message, is peace is the antidote to fear. Now, Craig highlighted the, the testimony of the angels, and the reason that I always pair peace with the angels is, of course, because, you know, uh, of what the, the angel host said uh, to the shepherds. Um, and on earth, peace, okay? Uh, Christ brings peace. He brings individual peace to you and to me, um, and he helps us. But um, every time an angel appeared in the presence of a human, it inspired fear, because God and everything that relates to God is awe-inspiring, and awe is a kind of overwhelming fear, if you will, but not necessarily the kind of fear you would associate with running away, okay? But the fear that would cause you to fall down before, right? Awe. But the angels, every time they appeared to a human, and this is, you'll see this throughout the, uh, the Christmas story, which you will find, again, you will find that in Matthew chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, and you will find it in Luke chapters 1 and 2. And every time these angels appeared to humans, they always had to tell them, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. 
And then you heard the promise that Pastor Craig uh, read that Jesus offered uh, during the Last Supper. Uh, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives, right? See, the world considers that peace is just the absence of conflict. But peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the ability to weather the storm, amen? So there's a couple of different examples of Jesus being with the disciples when crazy stuff was going on. At one point, there was, uh, they were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, a very, very big lake, and a storm blew up, and it was shaking the boat. Now, these are seasoned fishermen, and they were scared. They thought they might sink. Guess what Jesus was doing? He was, he was napping. He was asleep. All right? You know that your baby trusts you and is secure in your arms when everything is going crazy around you, there's noise, whatever, and that baby is just asleep in your arms. And that happens, doesn't it? My mom was convinced that, that, was the, that the secret to your baby sleeping through the night was just to make noise all the time and let them get through it. And I didn't find this out until I was older. I was a teenager, and uh, my, my stepdad would get up at 3.30 in the morning to go work in the mine in Casa Grande, Arizona, something that I went with him and did a couple of summers when I was 13 or 14. My mom would light up the vacuum at 3.30 in the morning and just vacuum my room. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't sleep like a baby when my mom was vacuuming around my bed while I was asleep at 3.30 in the morning. But she just figured, you know, I should just be able to sleep through everything. But the reality is when you're at peace, when you have security, and parents, this is what you supply your children. You supply them with stability, with security, right? And that makes them confident. And that allows them to know that everything's going to be all right. They're going to get through this. Right? If, and it's a lot of pressure on you, I get it, but you know, hopefully you'll, you'll understand from this message how we obtain and retain peace. Because your kids need to see that you have it together. Now I know we don't always have it together. But God gave you those kids, and therefore he has given you the ability to raise those kids. Amen? You may not think you know what to do, but trust me, he gave you those kids, he'll give you the wisdom, seek out the wisdom. But they need that stability. When we are not stable, we become fearful. When our mind is not stable, we become fearful. So where is your mind focused? Um, number two in your outline, by the way, is peace results not in the absence of conflict, but from the presence of God who provides comfort and confidence. So my mind needs to be focused somewhere other than on the problem. If you keep looking at the problem, you're going to remain upset, especially if you don't know what to do about it. Now, um, what I do with a problem is I continue to wrestle with it until I figure it out. But it's really, really difficult. It's really upsetting, particular with particularly with technical problems, if I just don't know what to do. I mean, oftentimes, I just, I'm like, I'm just at a loss. Uh, you know, I, first world problems. I, I got all of this gear so that I could work out at the gym without having to haul my phone around so I could just have a set of headphones in and listen to the, to the music. And I won't go into all the detail with that, but it involved me using a particular music service, Apple Music. 
which consistently decides that it is going to kick out my password and not allow me to log in and not allow me to use it. I talked to them on the phone for over an hour, and they still didn't know what to do. So I figured it out. I just changed the password on appleid.com, went back, started working. Guess what? As soon as I got an update to my phone, same thing happened again. Can't log into my music. I came up with a solution. I'm not paying for Apple Music anymore. I'm now using Spotify, and it works flawlessly. I'm like, that's awesome. Little problems sometimes, though, can, I'll be, I'm ready to work out, right? I don't want to deal with a bunch of drama with my phone and my headphones and my watch and all this. I just want to go work out. I just want to go work out. I don't want all this stuff, right? So I just want stuff to work. But sometimes little problems can drive us nuts. I have got to turn my mind away from the problem and keep my mind focused on the Lord, and that will keep my emotions in check. That will keep me from being frustrated, right? And as we're going to see today, that will keep you from being fearful. The kids were here. By the way, we had a great time on Friday with our LifeWell Christmas on the Square. Um, we had, there were as many kids here as there are you this morning. Um, and we served them popcorn and hot chocolate, and it was a wonderful time. But it came right down. This is, this is classic, right? When it came right down to it, and I was ready. I was ready. They already tested everything, and I was ready to play um, the, the video for them. The Apple TV didn't work. There's a, there's a common factor here. It's with a particular large corporation. I'm not kidding. It was playing Christmas music, and then I went over to the video, and it started going, I thought it was like a little motorcycle in there or something. Now, normally stuff like that just really ticks me off when I'm just, I'm hammered to the wire and I don't know what to do. You know what? It was cool. Keep my mind focused on the Lord. And I just switched everything over from the Apple TV, which I'm probably not going to use anymore, over to the computer, got it all to work. Kids got to watch their thing. I'm just showing you little dorky stuff. You guys have bigger problems and I have bigger problems, but I don't want to bring up a bunch of humongous drama. I just want to help you and I to understand that peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of difficulty. It's not your life just going along smoothly and not hitting any bumps. We have to learn to get through the storm. And that results when my mind is focused on the Lord. Where is your mind focused? That is what is pushing you or pulling you into these various emotional states. If you keep your mind focused on the Lord's presence within you, that means you've got to have the Lord's presence within you, right? You have to have opened yourself up. You have to have allowed Christ to come inside. That's real. That's not just a religious platitude. The real God who created the universe and who created you will come and live inside and minister to you to speak to your spirit, not with English words or Spanish words or whatever your native language words is, but words that are too deep for our languages. And he's there. You keep your mind focused on him. I like Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. You know what steadfast means? Steady, stable. Your mind is not going to be steady and stable if you're focusing on your bills. 
It's not going to be steady and stable if you're focusing on the problems that you're having with friends or family members. It's going to be stable when you trust in the Lord in the midst of the storm. Listen to the Lord and receive his promise of peace. When we turn or return to our foolish ways, to our past habits and behaviors, right? you may have learned to resolve certain problems in your life by relying on chemicals, drugs, alcohol. And so you come to the Lord and you discover, you know what, I don't want to be doing that. I don't want to just grab a cigarette every time I feel nervous and upset. I don't want to grab a drink every time I feel nervous. I don't want to pop a pill every time. I want to have a relationship with the Lord that allows me to fully trust in him. And you go along for a while like that, but you know, things can mount up and you can get your eyes off the Lord and then there's a tendency to want to fall back into some of those old behaviors. Now, chemicals are just one way that people manage these issues. People manage these issues in all sorts of different ways. But if you were paying attention to Psalm 85 that came up on the screen before I started preaching, um, verse 8 says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. You know what folly is? Foolishness. And there's a whole lot of foolishness that's being promoted in the world as a solution to your problems. You can't buy your way out of your problems. But the Lord can deliver you through your problems and through your overwhelming emotions. And he promises peace. And there it is again. All right? Number three in your outline, um, one day Jesus is going to return, and that's something that we need to make uh, known over and over again during Advent. It's not just about Jesus coming as a baby the first time, but it is about the reality that Christ is going to return. And when he does, he's going to reign over a renewed earth. So then it's not going to be about you know whether you voted for this candidate or that candidate whether you align yourself with this party or that party and their vision. And by the way, the two parties' visions for this country are as diametrically opposed as I have ever seen them. There's not a middle ground anymore. This is wild. This is crazy. This is, this is we're, we're in some wild times right now. This is why I keep my mind focused on the Lord. I don't keep my mind focused on who's in Congress. I don't keep my mind focused on who's in the, the, the White House. I don't keep my mind focused on who's in the Supreme Court. I'm focused on the Lord. Because one day, the Scripture promises, and this is just one example, and I I don't have a a single passage from this, but if you want to read Isaiah chapter 11, you will see the vision of what happens when Christ returns to the earth and establishes his reign. Then you have external peace. Then you have him driving out the enemies. Right now, that's not the case. As C.S. Lewis had it, we're living in occupied territory right now. That's kind of a, a war concept. When you are in a, a, an occupied land, that means that foreigners, uh, those that are not part of your nation, who don't necessarily share your values, have come to rule over you. That's what was going on with uh, the Jewish people in the first century with Rome. They thought Jesus was going to come back and push Rome out and give them their own uh, rule back the first time. But Jesus had a greater vision than that. He wanted to deliver us from sin and death and evil 
and he's going to come back and reign over the entire earth, not just over the nation of Israel. But nonetheless, that is going to happen, and that's something we can look forward to. That's something you can place your hope in, all right? But for right now, you and I are living in a place of conflict and difficulty. So what is our job? To withdraw, not engage, to just pray for peace in, in my own heart, not say anything to anybody about my Christian faith and so forth. No, Jesus said we should be peacemakers. Number four, until Christ returns, children of God are to be peacemakers. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God or the children of God. So a peacemaker is one who tries not to get her way to win the argument, but who tries to bring people together and help them to understand one another's viewpoint and still speak the truth. We're here to speak the truth. We're here to be peacemakers, and we're also here to stand up for truth and justice. That's number five. So there's a whole lot today being said about social justice, but this is largely a Marxist concept, not a biblical concept. Justice is a biblical concept, but justice doesn't happen within people groups. Justice happens between, first of all, you and God. He makes you right with him, even though you don't deserve that. And then justice is trying to make things fair and right with everybody in your sphere. What I'm seeing today with the social justice movement is hatred toward one particular group of people, an effort to drive this purported group of people who have been in power out. And all we're doing is just replacing it with another group of people that are going to do the same thing because people are people. It's not the color of your skin. It's what's in your heart. You either want the best for other people, you either want things to be fair for other people, or you don't. So there's all sorts of concepts that are out there, and I'm not going to get into those this morning, but I'm reading a book right now called The Chaos of Crowds. And wow, does this fellow understand what's going on in our country uh, with all of the, uh, the, the debate and drama that's going on. And he presents all of that. Um, but we are to stand for justice and stand for truth, but we're to speak the truth in love. Um, Jesus said that. He said, if you hunger and thirst, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Do you hunger and thirst for things to be right? With everybody, not just your little set, not just your little group. Well, my group needs to get what we deserve. In order to do that, we're going to kick all these other people out. Listen, if you've got privilege, if you've got power, then you have the ability to be a peacemaker on a grand scale. Amen? You think I'm going to give up power or privilege? No, I'm going to use that to help people. I don't have a lot of money. I'm supposedly a person who's privileged. I'm privileged because of Jesus and the grace of God. Not because I'm getting jobs that other people aren't getting. I'm getting favor. that This, this is not happening with me. Maybe it happens with other people that look like me. I don't know, but it ain't happening with me, and it never has. I didn't grow up in some favored place. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But if you've got power and you've got privilege, you need to use that. You need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that word also refers to justice. I want justice to be done. Injustice is wrong no matter who it is done to. 
no matter who gets left out, right? But all of this turmoil that we see, uh, Pastor Craig was telling me the other day, well, what did you say? There have been riots going on in the streets of Portland, Oregon for what, 90 days, 100 days? It's over 100 days. Please tell me exactly what that is accomplishing. I had a, a, a lady that was in my Wednesday Bible study, and she was talking about her daughter who has gone to Denver uh, to start a new job. And she was saying, driving through downtown Denver, it's just all boarded up and fenced, fenced in. So between the coronavirus and the protests, people think, well, what are you accomplishing by burning everything down? You're not. You're just creating hate, fomenting rebellion. That's what Marxists want, by the way. They can't create a class struggle based on economics in the United States, so they want to create a class struggle based on race, sexual preference, and anything else they can get to divide us and get you to hate and suspect other people. You and I need to check out of all of that. I don't care where you come from with your ethnicity, with your identifications, your affiliations, and what you believe your sexual orientation to be. I want there to be justice for you. And I want to fight for that for you. And I will take everything that I've got to try to help you. That's, just, that's what we're here to do. As long as we're on earth, we're to be peacemakers. We're to hunger and thirst for justice and for righteousness for other people. Right? So that's the Christian mandate. Um, but we do this with love. We don't scream at people and, and throw hate. And I see this coming from both sides of the political spectrum. I see people using horrible terms to refer to each other. The, the, the most powerful politician in the world uses horrible terms to refer to other people. And people, you know, stick their tongue in their cheek and laugh. <laughs> it's not right. I don't care who it is. It's not right. And if you and I are Christians, we claim to follow Jesus, then we need to bring peace into people's lives. We need to fight for justice for them. We don't need to be entering into that, that vitriol. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire. That doesn't stop a fire, friend. It doesn't. We need to love people. We need to see past the weaknesses that other people have. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 4.15 about speaking the truth in love. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So see, if I have a core of hope and peace, and next week, joy, and the following week, love, then I have stability there's confidence in me that allows me the resources to love other people and to share with other people and to step outside my comfort zone, to step outside my background and try to understand what other people are dealing with and what other people are going through. We share a language, we share a country, but we, we have different backgrounds. We're going through different things. And so in order to understand one another, we've got to listen to one another. It's not just, no, 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 no. I'm going to shut you down. I ain't going to listen to a thing that you've got to say. What are you telling me? You can't say anything to me. Struggle, hatred, anger doesn't resolve anything. It just replaces one group of people that are supposedly in power with another group of people that are in power. These people oppressed. Now these people will oppress. Please tell me exactly how that solves anything. It doesn't solve anything. It's just fighting for resources. That's all people are doing. 
That's the struggle. Now, I'm not telling you to step out of the struggle. I'm telling you right now that you and I as Christians need to be peacemakers. You and I as Christians need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what we're down here to do. So I'm not just going to withdraw to my little monastery and not engage in culture and not say anything to anybody. In fact, I'm not even concerned about the culture anymore. The, the, the culture's ridden over the edge of the earth, okay? I'm concerned about people. You. The people that I can speak to. The people that I can speak to that are, you know, are, are listening to me right now, that, that's who I can minister to. The people that you work with on your job, that's who you can minister to. The people that you go to school with, that's who you can minister to. Your family, that's who you can minister to. People that will pay attention to you and respect you and you can respect them. I've stopped engaging with disrespectful people. Not going to do it anymore. Doesn't matter how long I've known them or they've known me. If they're disrespectful, we're not talking. I love them. My door's open but we're not going to have these, these hateful ad hominem attack conversations where instead of engaging in a discussion or having a healthy debate, there's just name calling. And that's just, that's not going to help anybody, right? I don't need to win an argument. I need to speak the truth in love. Amen? The greatest thing you can do Christmas and any other time is to share the good news, to share the gospel with people, not argue over political viewpoints, not argue over racial theory or whether somebody is uh, uh, this orientation or that orientation, what this group of letters means, but focus on Jesus and introduce people to Jesus because every single human being on the planet Earth needs Jesus. So number six, the last one in your outline, is share the good news with everyone who will pay attention to you. Now, I appreciate it. I'm looking around this room, and uh, the majority of you are paying attention. I, I appreciate that so much. That's, that's just a, it's, it's gratifying to me, certainly, as a speaker, but I'm seeking to preach the Word of God, and it's, it's encouraging to me that you want to pay attention to the Word of God. But you guys know. You all know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still, like, I grew up in the West. Everybody's, you guys, y'all. Y'all know that you try to talk to people sometimes, and they're just not paying attention to you, right? You try to, you know, kind of bring some truth in. You try to quote some scripture, try to share the gospel with them, and they're just not listening at all. Now, bless you. As much as you're paying attention here, I hope you're paying this much attention when the band is up here and we're worshiping. Or you're just in a cloud on another world. You're just on your phone poking around. What are you, what are you poking around? You're here to worship, not poke on your phone, Right? So we're looking for people that will pay attention. We're looking for people who will have the respect to listen to us, and we can listen to them. We're here to share the gospel. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and then when I'm done with that, uh, I'm going to share a little video here, and then the band's going to come back up. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did to bring us back to God. You are an ambassador for Jesus. Share Jesus with everyone who will pay attention to you.